Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the School for Dumb Women's Sweet 16th episode. There's cake, individual Pandora bracelets for every guest, and our dad has even paid Craig David to perform. We're also legally allowed to have sex, but we'll keep you guessing on that one whilst we pop out for the morning after pill. I'm your host woman, Hannah Farrell, and with me today is sex enjoyer, Caroline O'Donoghue. Thanks, Hannah. I've had it over six times now, hoping for a seventh of the way home. And prom narrative revolutionary, Alexandra Haddo. My date was my gay friend who'd been raised Jehovah's Witness, Hannah. The sex was awkward. Well, I'm feeling awkward now, so let's start the show. Today we're going to be studying oil, train tracks and Mount Rushmore. So by the end of it, we'll be able to lube up a train and drive it through your face. Ooh, where? Caroline, you're talking to us today about a cliff and not Richard. I, <laughs> I am, Alex. And what a uncomfortable segue that was. Um, yes, today I'm talking to you about one of America's most famous tourist attractions, which is Mount Rushmore. I always assumed that Mount Rushmore wasn't a real thing. It was just in films until yeah. I was like maybe 13 or 14. It, it seems so fucking improbable, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, really so strange. strange. Yeah. yeah. Was it Banksy? Is that how you did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the weird thing about Mount Rushmore, it's kind of become this metaphor for how I feel about America as a whole. Because when I decided that I wanted to cover it, because I think I was just having a conversation with someone and someone brought up Mount Rushmore and I immediately had that dumb woman brainwave of being like, oh God, Mount Rushmore is mad, isn't it? It's yeah. weird that that exists. It's weird that these faces are just carved to the side of a mountain. How mad is that? Um and then I was thinking, like, oh god, it's so it's so like quintessentially American, isn't it? It's like if you've ever been to a tourist attraction in America, like Graceland or something like that, or the world's biggest ball of yarn, it's like, <laughs> yeah, um, is that real? That's a real thing. It's yeah. Kansas City, oh, yeah. So yeah, it's one of those like you know quintessentially American, way overblown, way over patriotic, a little bit silly, but still kind of nice things. And I was like, oh, I'll look into that. And then you know. I don't know about you guys, but since the election happened, America to me has gone from this place that I thought was like, you know, quite nice, you know, has a nice president to like, oh, it's like a third world country masquerading as a first world one. It's rotten to its very core. And guys, so is Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is (gasps) rotten inside and out. It's carved into this big fucking mountain that's filled with lies and deceit and treachery and I think we should just put it in the bin. Well, Trump will probably put his own face on it soon. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then everyone will know it's a piece of shit. 
And um, I know we've got some lovely, lovely American listeners. Um, Scott being one of them. Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Uh, among others. And uh, I don't want to offend any of you because you're all wonderful, but your country's a crock of shit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it's founded on lies, treachery and deceit. Um, so to introduce this, I'm going to ask both of you to read some of the reviews of Mount Rushmore that I found on Yelp.com. Alex, I'm going to ask you first. <laughs> okay. Not even sure who all those men are up there, but I think it's just the same man four times in a row. And why is that? Four question marks. There should be four or five women up there, if you ask me. Small as heck and crowded too. Like you could at least put a VIP section so I don't have to rub elbows with all these freaking peons. <laughs> peons? Is that real? <laughs> peons, I guess. <laughs> there are a lot of them. <laughs> Is a review of the peons? Is that a real... What's a peon? A peon is like um, like an underclass person, like a peasant. Oh, okay. A peasant, yeah. Oh, okay. I did not know that. And All that right. is a very strange review. Well, Hannah, let's see what your review has in store. Although Jane Austen's on the £10 notes, maybe Hillary should be carved into Mount Rushmore. Yeah. <laughs> they both were never president, so... Yeah, <laughs> Fine. Okay, I might have to take this one slowly. If I could give zero to this collection of American fat pants ice cream zoo, I would. This is a disgrace to the park system. Don't go here. Stay in the hills or badlands instead. Yeah, so apparently I felt bad about bad-mouthing Man Rushmore, but apparently everybody fucking hates it. Oh. But that's it. I mean, it's such a weird thing to review on Yelp. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's there. Just, it's just it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, there. It's Everyone not... surely knows what it is before they go. It's like reviewing Air's Rock. It was like <laughs> quite airy and rocky. <laughs> so Matt Rushmore, where to begin? Well, it was named in 1885 by Charles E. Rushmore, who was this prominent New York lawyer who was sent up to survey the mountains because there was a gold rush happening there at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So the the, the the entire range is in South Dakota and it's called the Black Hill Mountains. But he was looking at this particular mountain and he was like, oh, what do they call this? And the guy who was with them was like, well, shucks, I don't know. Let's call it Mount Rushmore. Which, because your man's name was Rushmore. Oh, so uh, entitled. Right? It's probably something to do with like, oh, you probably had to sign some permit that lets us drill for gold down here. I'll call it whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Um, but obviously it had a name before that because it be- used to belong to the Sioux Indian tribe. I was literally about to say about it was Native Americans. Yeah. yeah. Basically any kind of um, naturalistic, rural, mountainy type American story is going to have some persecution of American Indians in there somewhere. You can... Basically bet on it. Um, So the range was originally called the Six Grandfathers and it used to belong to the uh, Sioux Indian tribe. The government seized the area from the Sioux in the Great Sioux War of 1876, despite the fact they had signed a treaty years previously, basically promising them that this was their land, that they weren't going to move them around or mess with them anymore. Mm. Which is, you know, if you know anything about American history, that is essentially what they do to American Indians. They kill thousands of them, uh, send them to a new spot to live, and then they discover that there's either oil or gold (laughs) or uranium or whatever in that area and then take them off. Great. Right. Lovely. So um, they boot off the Sioux. They even, like, they try and give them compensation, um, which with inflation now comes to over, like, these days comes to over a billion dollars. But this is, and this is actually kind of awesome. The tribe um, said they wouldn't touch the money whatsoever, that, like, 
they just wanted their land back they wanted the Black Hills back and they weren't going to touch it and it still hasn't been touched it's sitting in an account with their names on it oh. they could have used I mean and wow. it's the same thing I mean this this debate has even continued on today with what's the other thing that you know Dakota for it's a coach the access pipeline, pipeline. Yeah. yeah exactly so they're use just, it for that like fund your protest I guess but I guess the kind of uh, the ethics of it would be too much I said, and, mm. and, and if you look at it from the outside it's like oh god well you have so many kind of problems just use that money but you're like no because the minute you use that money is the minute you justify yeah, the reasoning yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly and then they can, you can, they can use that as a stick to beat you with really can't they so the sculpture itself the actual four presidents in the mountain was designed by this guy called um, Gutzen Borglum Ooh. Oh, was he a Scandi? <laughs> he was Italian, actually. He created the sculpture's design and oversaw the project's execution from 1927 to 1941 with the help of his son, Lincoln Borglum. But how did they get from, oh, that's a mountain, I'm going to call it Mount Rushmore, to let's put faces on those mountains? Well, they decided that nobody ever wanted to come to South Dakota and they needed a reason to encourage oh, tourism. So basically it's just a tourist thing. Yeah. Oh. Really, yeah. And like America is completely dotted with all these things that are just man-made creations that become tourist things. Like we so don't all have a Yosemite National Park. You kind of need to make things. Yeah. And the original plan was they were going to, um, they, they know they needed something wonderful to attract tourism and there was nothing really in that area. So they were like, oh, well, let's, um, let's do carvings of the Sioux elders and kind of make peace with the tribes there. But then they were like, nah, Oh, they're just oh, like nah so it wasn't even like a debate it was like nah we don't I mean who's gonna see that who cares about them yeah That's but Americans just, love their presidents they fucking they really, love really their love presidents them, so that makes absolute sense so who's in yeah. the wall who is in the wall who do you think Lincoln Jefferson yep um, and yep uh, Washington yep the last one you probably won't get because he's not as famous over here who is that it's Theodore Roosevelt oh yeah yeah Teddy Roosevelt yeah, yeah. Wasn't he... But the others are older than him, right? Yeah, so he was the last one to be added. So George Washington, Thomas Jefferson and Lincoln came first and Roosevelt came later. Um, yeah, he died in 1919. Who? Roosevelt. There were two Roosevelts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there's... there's um. Oh. So Franklin D... The one you're thinking of, the polio prince, Franklin, Franklin D. Yeah, Roosevelt. He came later. He, I think he's his um, nephew or something. Oh, fine. Okay, something that like that. Can they just yeah. stop? I don't know, man. Giving it to their sons. It's like a monarchy. It's it's so weird. I mean, we talked about this already in the Gwyneth yeah. episode. They're just obsessed with families, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they decided on these four... U.S. presidents, Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. How do you think they decided on it? Votes. Do they What's have a that big, big old democratic um, vote where everyone could vote right? equally? Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Did they do that? Uh, no. Did they do something they like whoever do donated the most money or something? Not even as corrupt as that. It was literally the whims of the guy of Borglum. Wow. He was just like, these ones are good. <laughs> <laughs> and no Come one... On, pop them on. No one said a thing. Everyone was like, yeah good wow and it's kind of like it's so weird the entire project is like this weird loaded metaphor for like American individualism like to not put an accomplishment on the mountain to put like just four men yeah and then for like one man for him to be like yeah these ones these are good these are good ones (laughs) you know Uh, you think it would at least be like a kind of a nationwide vote or something I don't really know like you know for the £10 note there was a yeah there was like years of chat right Mm. mad and also, like, 
because it would seem so random that those four presidents were up there, uh, a few years later, there was a petition to put uh, Susan B. Anthony up there. Okay. No. Is she? She is um, a women's rights activist from, she's American from the 20s, I think. Oh, okay. I actually don't know much about her, but she's very big to Americans. Um, yeah, they made a petition to get her up there, and then they were suddenly like, oh, fresh out of money, guys. Oh, oh sorry. Sure. Oh, my chisel's broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John Lennon. Yeah. I mean, okay. But we can put a glass ceiling on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, almost everything about Mount Rushmore is totally rancid and I'm completely against it. But I will give it this. Between 1927 and 1941, which was how long it took to complete, um, there was 400 workers carving there, doing all they're doing their bit. You know, somebody's on the nose, somebody's sure. on a mole. And there was not one fatality. That's good. That's something, right? Yeah. Except that, you know, this was during the Great Depression they made it for an absolute bargain. They made it for like a million and a half dollars. Oh. Um, and they, they gave their workers like eight dollars a day. Right. That doesn't sound like a lot. No, even then it wasn't a lot. And um, people got like all kinds of diseases from inhaling the silica that was in the mountains and stuff. <gasps> Is silica in a- I thought silica was like... Silica beads, like in, in bags. Yeah, but yeah. I, th- I thought silica was synthetic. I didn't know it was yeah. a real mountain. Mountain thing, a mountain resource. So really, boob jobs are natural. Yeah, all natural. Mm. Um, And it's like everything about the creation is so like, ugh. It's like they they blew up huge parts of it and the rubble came down and they just left the rubble there for like years. Oh. Just left it there. What about like any goats that wanted to walk in the area? Buy goats. Bye-bye. It's like the gargantuan scale of leaving your towel on the bathroom floor, isn't it? Yeah. But America... But yeah. on America's bathroom floor. Whoa. Yeah, awful. But how did the, how did the workers know how to like, how to carve the faces? How did they like instruct them? That's the one thing I assume. There's you know obviously there's the chief architect and his um, son Lincoln. Clearly, this guy only knew like four names. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess they just planned it and gave everyone their patch, and everyone was in charge of their patch, and that was fucking it. I don't know why there were so many like qualified stonemasons in that town. 400. 400. Yeah. Maybe they got them in from like other towns too. Maybe. Or maybe it's just not as maybe. hard as we think. Should we? Should we give it a go? Should we? Maybe it's like a like sculpt by numbers sort of thing. But even thing, it's not even very good. This is the thing. Like, if you even look at it, like, the perspective is really weird. Um, like, it, they all, they kind of crowded on top of each other. Yeah. Like, they're all having a really awkward selfie or something. <laughs> like, they're all shouting over each other because they're all men. Oh, <laughs> men. And weirdly, there's, like, a rival sculpture around the way. It's called, like, the Crazy Horse Memorial, which is about the... Um, the kind of war between the American Indians and the American government. And uh, that was like created by the protege of the other guy. (gasps) So he like peeled off and did his own thing. He was like, fuck you, I'll make my own memorial. And that's got a very good Yelp score. (gasps) Interesting. It's like Jay-Z and Kanye West. It is, it is. Crazy Horse is the Kanye West. Yeah. Um, So this land all around Mount Rushmore, the Black Hill Mountains, to this day, it's still like this huge thing like it, it's central to the Dakota Access Pipeline and part of the argument of like why I think if people aren't really familiar with that whole argument it's like oh oh it's only just a bit of sacred land just let them you know build through it but the fact that this happens again and again and again throughout yeah. history mm. um, is just fucking shit and I think Mount Rushmore should be put in the bin cool yeah, yeah I agree <laughs> Well, 
Well, strangely, since we did mention our listener Scott from Oregon earlier, he's also going to pop up in this week's Women Who Code Mixer. Oh, we're allowing men to participate in the Women Who Code Mixer. Well, there's a special reason for that. It's because Scott donated to us via coffee.com. So oh. he bought us a couple of coffees and he's basically bought our loyalty for at least two episodes. Yeah, excellent. He owns the podcast now. Yep. Would you spell that coffee.com in a normal way? Or no, you? not in the normal way. You spell K O F I, you pluritan. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that if people go to K O F I.com, they can donate three pounds. I price am, of you plebe. Ah, I am a plebe, a common plebe. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> So our new overlord Scott tweeted us on <laughs> at dumbwomenpod to say, I need to learn WordPress. Which words are best to use? How hard to press them? Help! And well, Scott, I do think we can actually help you today. For anyone unfamiliar with WordPress, it's essentially a clever website with a smart man in it that helps you build another website. It's not so, what that fucking paperclip is it. That's not the smart man in it. That's what, oh, not what he's doing so. now. No, that's his slave. All yeah. oh, right, yeah. So what you do is you tell WordPress what colour you want your website to be and what you want it to say, and the smart man will code it for you. Um, and Caroline, I feel like you've used WordPress before, have you? I have. WordPress is an amazing tool for when you want a website, but also you're 19 years old and all of your friends have moved to Melbourne to start novelty t-shirt businesses and you find yourself alone. How strangely specific. So what, you had a website instead of friends? No, WordPress was my friend, Alex. So choosing which words are best to use is really hard. You use something called SEO. Have you guys heard of SEO before? Is that a topping for a cake? It could be, but it's not. It stands for search engine optimization, and it makes sure that you have the best words on your website. So the trick is to use words that people search for, but not words that other bigger websites have the monopoly on, right? Right. So if I was doing my personal portfolio, I should call it cutepuppies.com. Well, no, because lots of places would have had cute puppies. So you do like cute puppies. In Shoreditch. In Shoreditch, maybe. You know, so Donald Trump piss tape, for example, (laughs) that will have been used many, many times because of the BBC's commitment to world news, right? Right. But if you put on your website, download Donald Trump's piss tape here, low res. Got it. It won't have been used loads of times, so you'll get better SEO. So you can put download Donald Trump's piss tape here, low res, into your handbag website, Mm -hmm. and then everyone will come onto your handbag website and forget about him and be like, I do want a handbag. I do want a handbag. Yeah, it's the perfect combination of something that has a high volume search phrase like Donald Trump piss tape and low volume download a low rise version here because nobody has that as far as we know. Oh, I get it. So Vladimir Putin will have been used a lot, but Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his bum to make it look like a vagina. <laughs> Click here to view. Will not have been. Exactly. And School for Dumb Women will have been covered by thousands of reputable news outlets already. But School for Dumb Women, ko-fi.com, donate £3 to help Hannah, Caroline and Alex continue recording their podcast, will be great SEO. Excellent SEO, Hannah. An excellent plug for more money. Thank you. Okay, so now you've got your words, it's time to think about how hard to press them. And this is something that you get used to. It's different for everyone. It becomes easier um, every time you do it. Mm, Um, Piercing a baby's ears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
So firstly, you'll want to check the size and shape of the word first. Um, try and check if it's changed since last time. And then you can work around the word, just pressing gently. And once the WordPressing is done, you can press publish, tweet a link to your WordPress, and then realise everyone's on Medium now and WordPress is basically irrelevant. Oh, well. I tried to press some words earlier in the year, but I didn't understand how to do it. Yeah. It's hard. Mm. So I think I might square a space instead. Anyway, that should be more than enough to get started, Scott. Uh, So good luck and do let us know how it goes. And to everyone else listening, it's always a pleasure to help a dumb woman like Scott out. So if you have something you'd like us to help with, please tweet us at dumbwomenpod or email us dumbwomenpod at gmail.com. So Alex, you've uh, left the studio for two minutes and you've come back all oiled up. Um, What's that about? It's just sort of a visual commitment to how much I love this podcast because my segment this week is on oil. Ah, yes. The thing that covers seagulls sometimes. Yes. Yes. The thing that tends to start wars. Mm, You know, like any war, when you're talking about it, someone will say, well, it was about the oil really, wasn't it? I know. You could be talking about the Crusades and somebody will be like, oil war, another one of those oil wars. Yeah, exactly. And so it's this strange thing whereby it's a naturally occurring substance but it powers so much. Yeah, it's mental. Which yeah. is, that's why it made me want to investigate it, because, you know, electricity, you can understand, it's it's technological, it's, you know, it's what you would expect to power machines and make mm-hmm. things work like it does. But oil, like, you put oil in a car, petrol, but it's like an oil derivative, but, like, yeah. you put that naturally occurring, like, cold juice in a mechanical car. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the car's, like, the least naturally occurring thing yeah. you can think of. So how does that, it's like putting soup into like a computer and being like, it knows the carrots are there and it'll make it work. (laughs) Really strange. Um, So I will tell you how it works, a car, in a sweet moment. But uh, how would you define oil even? What is it? Oh, it's a... um... Like any type of oil. How would you categorize an oil? Oh, I mean liquid. Yeah. Sticky, sticky flammable liquid. Not liquid. No, not necessarily sticky. It's a, a uh, crude substance found crude. under the earth and often got by fracking. Yes, that is true. An oil is any neutral, non-polar chemical substance that is a viscous liquid at ambient temperatures and is both hydrophobic, which means water-fearing, emissible with water, i.e. doesn't mix with water, hence why, you know, put olive oil mm-hmm. on water oh, yeah. or something, it doesn't yeah. mix, and lipophilic, which oh, means... Oh, it loves fat. Yeah, mm. exactly like you that. you just described a lava lamp to me. Literally, yeah, literally means fat-loving. Totally right. So that's the actual sort of categorization of an oil, where it be, you know, like massage oil, olive oil, crude oil. And when do you think we first discovered it? Ooh, that's a good one. There was, okay, so there were oil lamps from ages ago. Oh, true. Um, uh, 1732. Well, I've sort of given you a trick question there because you are sort of right. We've always known about oils. When do you yeah, think... Yeah, like whale oil has always been a thing. Yes, correct. Yeah. Which I learned today. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But when do you think the first sort of modern oiling... As in from the ground. From the ground. Black gold. Black stuff that powers cars. When was that uh, first... I'm, I'm when did someone you. first say, oh, I'm going to extract this? I want to change my answer to uh, the 1860s. Yeah. Is that like I'm industrial say late revolution? 19th. Century? Well, Hannah Varrell. <gasps> it was, in fact, very close to that. You've you've 
Wow, it was 1859. That's really good. <gasps> Holy crap, Holy. Holy crap, indeed. And your <laughs> phrases are from 1859 <laughs> as well. Um, yes, on August the 28th, 1859, George Bissell and Edwin L. Drake made the first successful use of drilling rig on a well drilled especially to produce oil on a site at Oil Creek near Titusville in Pennsylvania. So it is still quite a relatively recent discovery. That sort of oil. But how did they know it was there to drill down and get it? Was because it like it, appearing up? Sort yeah, of bubbling it, bub- up? it was bubbling up and Ooh. they were like, what's this? And they realised mm. it was flammable. And that's the key of to why course. it makes cars work. Yeah. Now I'm going to refer to my notes for this so that you can not question my methods. This is essentially, in very much layman's terms, we don't want to go into how a car works. Oh, it's no, very please complex. Don't. Please don't. I'm going to give you a very quick thing of why petrol slash oil is used, and it's mainly because it's flammable. So in the car engine, I'm just going to use that as a very generic term, Mm -hmm. when the piston reaches the top of the cylinder, the sparking plug fires. And that's why cars are electric as well, so it creates an electric spark. That spark ignites the fuel-air mixture, causing a mini-explosion. So like this fuel, and obviously it's actually the fuel-air, that, like the fumes from the fuel that are really flammable. Because like if you lit a match in a tank of petrol... You, the match wouldn't light because it's liquid. Yeah. It's the fumes. Oh, okay, that, yeah. yeah. So there's a mini explosion. The fuel burns immediately, giving off hot gas that pushes the piston back down. The energy released by the fuel is now powering the crankshaft. So basically it makes something move, which powers the car. That's so basic, isn't it? Yeah. But it's like, how did they... I mean... Now I sort of see this th- the thought process is like we've got vast quantities of this flammable stuff and we need something that's flammable to power a piston, the basic structure of a piston. And that's obviously how then people were like, oh, we could use that to move and cars. But still, such an organic substance for such a man-made Yeah, yeah. It's a man marriage, isn't it? And also how, like, yeah. it's been a while since we discovered oil and presumably... Uh, at some point, fairly soon after that, we realised that like there was a finite amount of it, uh, at least until you know millions of years' times when more is made. Is that how it works? Yes. Um, so oil is actually like fossil. It's like remains of dead plants and animals that are just yeah. like crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed mm-hmm. over like thousands of years, and then they eventually become this crude oil. So little seahorses from the past are fueling our cars, I guess. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. But surely we'd have realised like that it can't go on forever and we should start inventing more stuff. And I mean, we have, but not... Yeah, but I mean, obviously know, the human condi- the condition that- is to not do anything until it's too late, i.e. global warming, etc. Hmm. But the, I was reading today, because I did actually Google when will we run out of oil, mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be in like 25 years or something, but they reckon that there's actually a lot more than they ever thought, and... BP, those great guys. Sure, sure yeah. The great guys at uh, BP. Um, in 2014, they said that we have 53 years left of oil. So not That's as bad as we thought. Not great though, is it? But yeah. then there's rumours. I, I was reading a lot of oil forums today. Sure. <laughs> there's rumours that we won't actually run out for absolutely ages because there's just so much untapped. Yeah, because like, there's, there's so much, there's so much of the ocean that hasn't been even mapped yet properly. Yeah. Right, we haven't even gotten to the mm. exactly the yeah. deepest part of the deepest oceans yet. Yeah. So there could be loads there. Yeah. And I was reading this thing like BP had put all this stuff in place like to try and find new oil and then to try and like create renewable energy. Then they were like, 
oh, there's actually loads more. And like scrapped <laughs> like 7.5 billion pounds worth of no like, innovation. Because they were like, ah, oh, fuck it. We've got some more here. So, Ugh. yeah. God, I hate people. I know. Um, yeah, literally, a quote from David Ayton, the BP Group Head of Technology, said, Energy resources are plentiful. Concerns over running out of oil and gas have disappeared. All right, then. Cheers, David. Great, Let's just fine. put that in a drawer yeah. and lock the drawer and put it at the bottom of the ocean yeah. and not think about it again because I'll be dead. Yeah, you know? exactly. David's cashing in his pension in two years. He doesn't give a shit. It's like, this is like the wind farm episode that we got so pissed off about. It's just like, the people who are alive now and raking the money, they're like, well, I won't be alive and my kids probably won't, so who gives a shit? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically it. So they're kind of saying now like, oh, maybe we're not going to actually run out of oil. Well, we probably will. We're going to run out of like planet though. Yeah. And like trees and nice air to breathe and non like horrible hurricane countries. Exactly, Hannah. But, uh, you know. It's a real downer podcast this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, fuck it, eh? Yeah. So like we, they stole Mount Rushmore from the Indians for golden oil and now the oil is shit also. Yeah. But obviously nice oil is, you know, like olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, should we just talk about nice oil, sesame oil? Mm. Oh, top, nice. top three oils. Coconut Ooh. oil, very good for thrush. Really? Yeah. What? What, mm. put it on your vag? Do, yeah, I do. Wow. Not ashamed. How did you find that out? I was going through a really pretentious phase where I was one of those people talking about how good coconut oil was all the time. I remember that, Caroline. Uh, yeah, I think we knew each other. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, this is good as a moisturiser. It's good for dry skin on your lips. And then I got a case of thrush. I was like, I bet I know what else this is good for. And you know what? It was not as good as a pessary of caniston, but like soothing. Wow. Soothing at least. Yeah, I'd say um, virgin oil, chilli oil. Oh, yeah, yeah, garlic oil. Garlic oil. Oh. Any of the infused oils. Oh, yeah. a black truffle oil, very good. Oh, yes. absolutely mm. delightful. Yeah, so fuck big business and big oil and crude oil. It's disgusting and it warrants lots of greediness and horrible things and it's ruining the planet. But infused oils, lovely. Yeah, quite nice. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Baby oil, another good one. Oh, yes, baby oil. Yeah. 
the oil from babies. <laughs> so I'm quite glad, actually, Alex, that you chose to do oil for your segment and now you've cleaned it all off and you're looking very nice and moisturised. Thank you. Because I went on a train journey the other day and you know what trains use to lubricate themselves? The tears of people that have paid above the odds for the tickets. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn's yes. tweets. All of those things, but also oil. Oh. Um, yeah, so I was on a train journey. I had a lot of time to think about trains. Um, and I realised as well when I was waiting for a cancelled train. Disgusting. Ugh. That um, I've never really understand how railways work, like how they're electrified. Yeah, and they spark. So that's weird. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, but then, like, you could run across... I mean, I'm not advising anyone to run across train tracks. But what I mean is, like, if you stood on a train track when there wasn't a train there. Like, people cross railway lines at night and stuff and they don't get electrocuted. Exactly. Yeah. How is understand. that possible? Because, is it because there's it's... always the kind of rumour that, like, if you stand on the yeah. third line, you'll get electrocuted. Um, and you will if you create a circuit with the ground. So if you're, like, holding on to the third rail, right. which is the rail that's electrocuted, so you've got two rails that the train goes yeah. on, and then the third rail is how it gets electricity... Um, so if you're like holding on to it and then you're like connecting to the ground somehow, that sort of creates a circuit. Right. And then you'd get electrocuted and you'd have a really bad time. But then I thought as well, like birds and stuff, that's the same thing because birds would stand on the rail. They wouldn't know not to stand on the rail, yeah. would they? Mm. Um, and it's, yes, yeah, because they don't touch anything else. They don't complete the circuit. Oh, but if oh that's why when you did, see birds in a wire. On a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If a bird's made a, a bird chain... And it, like you know, managed to touch something else that completed the circuit, or joined joined wings together. Yeah, um, they would all get electrocuted. Oh, but they don't. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and another thing is, they actually often now cover the third rail with like you know something else, so that the trains actually get their electricity from like the side of the rail or oh, underneath the rail. And the way that the train picks up the electricity is using shoes. The train, train has shoes. Oh, shoes. Oh. And the shoes kind of grip, grip the rail and go along. And um, So the railway wears like a little rail condom. Yes, pretty much. Oh. And at level crossings as well, because I was like, well, how does that work? Um, there's a gap, basically. They don't have a third rail because the shoes on other parts of the train will pick up mm. the electricity. Yeah. So it's all right if like a little section of train isn't connected to it. At that moment. Wow. So I thought that was fine. That was quite nice. Do trains use petrol then? No, they don't. No, well, actually, the third rail isn't the way that every train moves because there are diesel trains. And in fact, there was a big thing about this recently when Chris Grayling, the transport secretary, had previously said that lots of railway lines in like the north of England and lesser used lines would be electrified because it's a bit more like efficient and stuff. And they said they were going to do this. It was going to be great. It was going to be all futuristic. We were going to use less diesel. And then the other day he turned around and said, no, we don't need to do that because actually we can use some kind of dual fuel train, basically. And it can use electricity when it's got a third rail. Uh-huh. And when it doesn't, it can use diesel. Did any of this explain why train journeys are so unbelievably expensive? And in many cases, more expensive than planes. Um, It's because they privatised it in the 80s when Thatcher and her horde of crows tried to put everyone out of pocket and sell all the nationalised things like gas and water and the railways off for a quick buck. But now 
uh, because it's private business, they can charge what they want. Well, yeah. I, I don't. I, I understand that to an extent, but I don't get why like a train to somewhere shit that nobody goes to, like Eastbourne, can be like you know forty five quid if you get it on the wrong day. Like, what is the? I well, think it's because of exactly that because you probably need to go somewhere. Supply and demand. Yeah. So they just they're just like, oh fuck it, we'll just charge you what we want. Delving into the history of trains a bit more, when do you think trains first kind of came about? Ooh, I'm going to say 1743. I'm going to say 1810. Okay, okay. Uh, Well, trains existed in sort of a slightly different form from about 1500. What? Um, They were more like prams? But they were like horse-drawn trains. Right. Yeah, and so they would have the tracks... And they were called wagon ways. They would have tracks and then you'd get your horse or whatever and you'd kind of pull it along. That's nice. So Not Henry officially VIII. trains though, not on not like not cannon trains. trains no. no. And then steam trains, which was the first type of like sort of train in the sense that we know it today, first appeared in England in the eighteen twenties. So mechanized rail transport systems first appeared in England. And it was really exciting. Obviously, they were critical to the Industrial Revolution. And yeah. Harry Potter would have never got to school without mm-hmm. them. Yeah, exactly. The wizards were probably hoarding train knowledge oh, before the 1820s. But they couldn't wait till we discovered it. Yeah. So the ancient Greeks apparently had rail transport like to build the pyramids and stuff. Oh, but, yeah. Different, in a, to- yeah, in a different way. So. You know, they had, they had kind they of had tracks, tracks. Um, made of stone or wood. The tube originally used steam trains. Really? Which you think is a bad Where idea. Where was the steam going? Yeah. In Ooh, people's, like that at all. people's skirts and things, and then was later <laughs> electrified. Mrs. Mason, please mm. put that steam up your skirt. <laughs> and the tube does use the third rail system, so you definitely shouldn't yeah. fall on the tracks because you probably would make a connection between the <gasps> third rail and the ground. Yeah. I don't know, unless you're wearing rubber-soled shoes. I wonder if a lot of mice get electrocuted on it. No, because they don't create um, they don't create a circuit. Oh, so no. they'll run Bastards. along the rail or they'll run next to the rail, but they won't generally reach up to the rail when they're standing on the floor because why would they do that they can jump and stuff they do everything else they're fine and the thing about weeing on the train tracks as well it is technically true do you know have you heard of this no that creates a current and then it'll shock you yeah Yeah. so there's this big myth that you shouldn't wee on train tracks because the electricity can travel up your stream of wee into your body through your penis is what it said online although technically it could be a, a vulva too yeah that'd be much more difficult though wouldn't it I believe so you'd yeah. have to really squat over the train line yeah so yeah you'd have to, um, way to go. have a very consistent stream with no breaks in it so you'd have to be having the wee of your lifetime right and you'd have to probably be really close to the one of your top 10 to the of all yeah. time yeah exactly yeah. Uh, why is it called a train because it's never fully qualified. <laughs> Harry <Yeah>. F. Trainman. <laughs> <laughs> because it got married and wore a veil. Well, no, it is because, uh, with, like, the word train, before, you know, trains as we know them were invented, the word train was used, obviously, for, like, a group of people that follow behind the king or um, oh. people that follow a leader and also wedding dresses, like you were saying, the veils. Oh, that was a joke, but so it the was wedding, true. So the wedding dress train was called a train before trains were called trains. Oh. Which I think oh. is really exciting. That is nice. Yeah. When did um, the weird leaning Pendolino trains come into our lives? 
the Virgin trains. I don't know what that means. You know Virgin trains? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are... I don't know if it's all of them, but a lot of them are the Pendolino, which means... What is this word you keep saying? <laughs> it's a pastor. No, um, <laughs> when they go around a corner, they lean into it. The train will tilt. You'll have been on them and it's tilting. Oh, oh. I think that was post Cheryl Sandberg. They uh, realised that, you know, they had to lean in. They had to lean um, in, which is fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so they're on like a fulcrum. Now that, so the whole thing You're tilt. full of them today. Tips. Yeah. Fulcrum. Yeah. Very good word. Thank you. Great words, man. Came out of nowhere. Train spotters are weird, aren't they? God, train spotters are weird. I saw a bunch of them in Carlisle and they were just taking photos of this flipping train. I don't get it. Yeah, for some reason I find bird watching totally acceptable. Um, it's like, oh, it's a nice, cute, nerdy thing. Like, birds are nice, all that. But train spotting, I'm like, no, yeah. weird, you're weird. But I guess once you understand, like, the differences between different trains and you're like, oh, that train uses diesel and that's a bi-mode train and that's a train that came out in the 80s and that's a train from the 1970s that's been refurbished, you, it would be exciting to see those specific trains in real life because they'd be like celebrities. I'd like, like to say that, trains. for the record, I think if you are a bird watcher or a train spotter... No. You think they're equally the same kind of losers? Um, I think there's a kind no. of nobility in a bird watcher. Absolutely not. They're not the same. I mean, I'd rather be a bird watcher than a train spotter. You're yeah. totally right. But if I had the choice, I would probably rather cease to exist. Okay. The sure. do either. Oh, okay. Something nice about bird watching. Like you're out in nature, it's early in the day, you've got a sandwich in your pocket, you've got a nice big coat on. Yeah. Same can be said for train watchers. I don't you're probably in the meadow though for bird watchers. Yeah, you're supposed to like in Waterloo just having a perv on some trains. That's what I mean. There's nothing more depressing than train stations apart from if they're like That's the thing, it's the willingness to be in a train station recreationally. Yeah. And like people when they're like, That'll be the seventeen forty eight from Doncaster and it's like, Yeah, it will. Yeah. I don't. I'm missing something here. Um, um, yeah, I know that's that's kind of all. Like I learned that much about trains, and then I was satisfied. Yeah. So that's all you're going to learn about trains. That's today, all I need to know. Me. So for this week's smart lesson, we decided to make things a bit more personal than usual. Now, since we started recording the School for Dumb Women, we discovered that recording podcasts takes a lot of fucking time. So much time. I can't even remember what my friend looks like. (laughs) So today's smart lesson is on managing other people's expectations so that when you're a smart woman and you become completely flaky and you have to cancel plans, everyone knows it's not because you don't value them. It's because you're more important than them. Caroline, what are your tips for managing expectations? Well, above all, Han, I think it's important that you don't cancel your plans outright. You just keep saying your own time commitments in an increasingly exhausted way. So you start being really like enthusiastic and you're like, oh, you, oh my God, I, oh, can't wait. Okay, when are we going to do drinks? And then slowly as the plan making continues, you just, the life has to get sucked out of you. Okay, until you burst into tears. Yeah, yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah. Right, so, okay, so I got it. So it's like, oh my God, I'd love to go to a panel event featuring five bloggers talk about their success, but oh, I'm having bowel surgery in the woods with a stick that day, so I can't go. Oh, yeah. so, so you start so up sorry. here and then you go oh, down there. I promised them I'd go and I don't want to go. That's important. Don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. And if at all possible, you have to kind of mention how good a friend or person or employee you're being by going to the other thing, mm. right? You must. You're like, oh, it's my friend and she's been dumped. So now I have to do this with her. Yeah. I'm such a good person. So like you need to be nondescript and then throw in some highly specific examples. 
Or another one that's quite good is saying like saying like it's not great for me. Like next week isn't great for me because when you say something isn't great for you, it's kind of a foolproof way of ensuring no one will question what you're doing or why you're doing it because you'll just say it's not great and they're like they don't know whether you're having surgery. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, if you've yeah. got to babysit your you know mum's dog that has cancer or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or or you could just have a couple of meetings on nobody knows. But if you deliver in the right way, nobody will ask. Yeah, because they'll yeah. be like, you sound so busy that if I ask yeah. specifically what it is it's going to bore me because you've got that many meetings mm-hmm. and that many commitments it's important you don't over I guess don't be like oh next week is terrible for me because they'll be like oh why why terrible because they're polite yeah. so it's not great for me is better I yeah. say I'm bad at that because I will I will try and be vague but then I'll go into too much detail and then they'll be like well it's either a lie or a vast exaggeration mm-hmm. so I'll be like oh my god I would absolutely love to but next week is really busy and it's just oh it's this whole thing like I've got a meeting with the marketing manager from Moon Cup to talk about their digital strategy sure and you sound so exhausted it just creates the illusion of a deeply important person who doesn't have time right now for friendship but thanks for asking yeah exactly like I do like you I just never want to see you or there could be someone that you um I mean maybe you do like them but you can be arsed taking CVs for new friends Oh, absolutely. Although I should point out that I am taking CVs for lovers. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. All the live long day. Absolutely. Well, that has been an oddly industrial episode of The School for Dumb Women. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Alexandra Haddo for your oily wisdom. To Carolina Donahue for carving your face in the dumb women rock. Put it in the bin, Hannah. Just put the whole fucking mountain in the bin. Thank you for listening, of course. And thank you as well to Harry Harris for our jingles, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for allowing us to record. I've been Isabel Kingdom Brunel. Good night. All aboard the banter train. Oh, I get it. Okay, so Vladimir Putin will have been used a lot, but Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his... <laughs> Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his bum <laughs> Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his bum <laughs> I can't Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his vagina. No, <laughs> Right, this right. is the one. Right. Penis, into bum. Bum. Penis, into penis, bum. Bum. penis into his bum. Penis into his bum. Penis into his bum. Just words, just words. Just words on a page. Don't look at me. Right. Here we go. Vladimir Putin tucks his penis into his bum to make it look like a vagina. Click here to view. Will not have been. I'm sorry, I couldn't stop. <laughs> you didn't get you? I'm gonna have, that's going to have to pass. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.